Good morning, Boker Tov. Welcome back to the weekly Parsha Perspectives for today. Thank you so much for joining me, and hopefully today we'll be inspired by the privilege we have to learn Parshas Emor together. I want to thank our generous sponsors for this year, dear friends Becky and Avi Katz, and family in memory of Becky's father, David Grossman, Lilanishmos, David Menachem Manish, and also, oops, sorry, uh, sponsored today, today's particular Parsha class, sponsored by Yitzchak and Rivki Schreiber in commemoration of the Yurtzeit, of her beloved mother, Malka Bas Chaim Tzvi, and by Jeffrey and Linda Miller in commemoration of the Yurtzeit of his beloved father, Chaim Ben Yosef Miller on the 12th of ER. Thank you all for your generosity, your sponsorship, and our Torah learning should be li'ili nishma, should elevate the precious and beloved souls of those for whom it is dedicated. As I said, we had the privilege of studying Parshas Emor. Emor appears in the Oral Scrolls Tod Chumash on page 672. Our parsha begins with an instruction specifically to the Kohanim, directed specifically to the Kohanim. In fact, the Ibn Ezra understands this opening phrase, Emor va'amarta, says the Ibn Ezra. We've got a million svarim open here. We're going to try to balance it all. If you have your Mikros Gedolos, which I always encourage you to have, we'll see some of the Mephoshim inside this morning, says the Ibn Ezra, Emor el Kohanim, in last week's Parsha, the second Parsha we read last week is called Parshas Kedoshim. It is the mission, it is the mandate, it is the charge for all of us to live lives of holiness, of sanctity, being elevated and enriched, however we define holiness, not for now. So last week we instructed the totality, the community, the people, Kedoshim to you. Everyone should be holy. And we continue this week, Emor al so the Ibn Ezra understands Emor Vamarta, Emor last week's Parsha Kedoshim, were all intended and meant to live transcendent lives, to live lives the best version of ourselves, to be holy, separate, apart, distinguished, elevated from the rest of the world. And even above and beyond that, the instruction to the totality of the Jewish people, above and beyond that. In this week's parsha, Ve'amarta, says the Ibn Ezra, is now the Kohanim. On top of the Kohanim is the Kohen Gadol. So the Ibn Ezra sees the theme of our parsha as built upon and continuation of last week's parsha. The Kedusha, the sanctity, the holiness, that mandate that was introduced in last week's parsha, we continue with and we expand in this week's parsha. However, Revolba, Rav Shlomo Volba, the great Mashkiach of Yerushalayim, has a very different interpretation that I want to share with you this morning. A very, very beautiful insight he has that runs throughout our entire Parsha. It struck me as I saw his insight in particular uh, this year because of the play on words. He says that the theme of our Parsha is not Kedusha. It's not building on sanctity. It is, but it's not directly. But rather the theme of our Parsha is Kavod. Not Kovid, but Kavod. What is Kavod? Kavod is honor. Kavod is glory. Covet is also living a life of dignity. Covet is living a life that we can be proud of. And he says, if you look through our parsha, says Revolba, that is the theme that carries us throughout. First, Covet Shemayim, the Covet of Hashem, seeing and feeling and having an awe and reverence and the honor due Hashem. Then Covet of the Kohanim, the Covet of the priests, their distinguished role within our people. Then the Kohen, the Covet of the Kohen Gadol, within that unit of the Kohanim of the priests, the Kohen Gadol has an even elevated status. And then we have the Covet of the Korbanos, the sacrifices. And then we have the Covet of Bnei Yisrael, 
to know our capacity, the honor and the dignity that we're meant to carry ourselves and the capacity we have to channel and to be the conduit of Kvod Shemayim. And then, of course, we have the Moadim, the Yamim Tovim, the notion of the covet we should have for time, that time is not endless and that time should not be uh, depleted or absent of value or meaning, but rather Mikrai Kodesh. When we call the holidays, when we sanctify time, we honor our time, we honor the time that we've been given. So says Revolba, the theme that permeates throughout our Pasha, if you have to look for one common denominator or one common thread, it's not COVID-19, but it's Kavod. It is the notion and the role, the place of honor. And then he gets into a few specific examples of it. So in our parsha we read, the parsha is beginning by telling us about the instruction to Kohanim, not just for adult Kohanim, but even minor Kohanim, to preserve their sanctity. They're not allowed to contaminate themselves. They can't expose themselves to a corpse, to death, to draw that contamination. But there are exceptions. So the Torah tells us in Yitama. The Kohen is not allowed to uh, contaminate himself to his father or to his mother. In contrast to the other Kohen, we're talking about the Kohen Gadol. The high priest, the Kohen Gadol, is commanded to continue the Avodah in the Beis HaMikdash even after the death of a parent, even after the loss of a parent. The loss of a parent, life comes to a standstill. You know, Refersh writes that the word Avel, which is the Hebrew word for mourner, comes from the word Aval, however. A person's life has changed forever. There's a new normal. A person with time can recover, can heal. First a scab and then a scar will form from that sense of loss the person has endured. But aval, however, but life is different. Life changes forever. And the Kohen Gadol who goes through that traumatic experience, the grief of losing a parent, is not given the license to pause and to grieve and to mourn. But the Kohen Gadol, the show must go on, has to continue to serve in the Beis HaMikdash. Why? So the Rashbam, if you go back all the way to Perak Yud, Pasa Gimel, the Rashbam back in Perak Yud, Pasa Gimel, gives us the basis of this law. Says the Rashbam, Perak Yud, Pasa Gimel, Vayimur Moshe Laron, Hu Asher Dibar Hashem, Lomar, Lemor Bekrovai Ekadesh, Veapne Kolaam Echabed, Vayidom Aaron. This is talking after the death of Nadav and Aviyu, and Aaron remained silent. silent. And the Rashbam there says, Why was Aaron silent? Immediately Aaron wanted to stop and mourn and grieve his sons. Moshe said, you can't mourn. Do not wane, do not stop, do not pause in your service. So Rashbam gives the reason. The Kohen Gadol has this unique position, this singular distinguished position. The Kohen Gadol has to serve and the show must go on. The Kohen Gadol has to set aside their own feelings and continue the Avoda because if there was a cessation, if there was a break in the Avoda, it would be a desecration of God's name. It is that avoda which energizes and imbues the entire world with a sense of holiness and a sense of sanctity. And so the show must go on as painful and as difficult it is for the Kohen Gadol. However, Revolba draws our attention that even though the Kohen Gadol cannot interrupt the avoda to mourn a mother and father, nevertheless, nevertheless, the Torah here tells us that if the Kohen Gadol encounters a mace mitzvah, 
the Kohen Gadol is on their way to perform the Avodah on Yom Kippur. The holiest person on the holiest day of the year about to enter the holiest place and Pumte run into a corpse. Somebody passed away and we don't know their identity. And there's no one else willing to step up and over to undertake their, their burial, a proper send-off. In that circumstance, the Kohen Gadol does stop the Avodah. Not only Avodah in general, the Kohen Gadol would even stop the Avodah of Yom Kippur, not even perform the holiest uh, holiest service of the year. Why? Because you see the covet of a Mes Mitzvah, the covet of a Mes Mitzvah, the honor and the dignity that this corpse deserves when no one else is there to take care. The Kohen Gadol loses a mother and father, Kohen Gadol probably has siblings, Kohen Gadol has children, the Kohen Gadol has others who can take care. Kohen Gadol has the rest of the nation, the rest of the people. But when it comes to a mace mitzvah, you see the notion of kavod habrios, the honor and dignity due to another, that the Kohen Gadol does what he doesn't do for his mother or father, he does for a complete stranger, because they deserve that dignity, that honor, even when no one else is taking care. And Revolb extrapolates from here, if that's the honor, do a mace mitzvah, then imagine the kavod, the honor that we owe a chai mitzvah. We honor a person who's alive. If that's how you treat the corpse, who's unidentified, the anonymous corpse, then even all the more so how we treat other people, the covet that we have to give one another. In fact, we know that in this period we're mourning, we're grieving, we haven't trimmed or shaved or taken a haircut or listened to live music, like Baomer's not until next week. Why? Because Rabbi Akiva's students, 24,000 died. 24,000 funerals, 24,000 eulogies, 24,000 shiva calls. You know, until this year we could never imagine what that means to get that flow of death notices and of shiva notices. This year, Baruch Hashem, it's not 24,000, but it's really this pandemic has opened our eyes to what it means to be losing great people and at such a great rate, how painful, how overwhelming, how traumatic that is. Why did those students die? Chazal tell us, because they failed to honor one another. They were chavrusas, they were learning Torah, and yet the Torah did not was not absorbed, it didn't transform them, it didn't elevate them, it remained intellectual, cognitive, abstract, it didn't transform them into B'nai Torah, Torah personalities, who knew how to treat one another with honor. The Kohen Gadol, who doesn't mourn his mother or father, does not interrupt the Avodah, does so for a simple, anonymous mace mitzvah. Why? Because kavod, because the honor we have to show, if that's what we show for a mace, says Ravolba, even more what we show a chai mitzvah. And therefore the Gemara in Brachas, Beis, tells us that Kavad Abreos is doche los betorah. That Kavad Abreos supersedes the negative commandments of the Torah. We're allowed to forego, passively uh, violate a negative commandment in the Torah in order to preserve the, in order to preserve the dignity, the Kavad Torah. And Revolba continues along these same lines. I want to share with you from Alei Shor Chelek Beis, page Reish Chafei, page 225. And I want to learn it with you inside because Revolba here summarizes our entire Parsha, Parsha's Emor. And again, we are fighting and we are confronting COVID, but we have to understand part of the way is by embracing Kavod, the Kavod Habrios, the way we treat one another. Kavod Habrios is the antidote to COVID-19. So Rav, Rav, Shur, Rav uh, Volba says the following, Our world is a world of value, of worth. Everything has a value. Everything has a worth. Whether it's something that you're transacting, you're purchasing, you're buying, and the question is, how much does it cost? How much is it worth? Whether you're negotiating on eBay or Amazon or for a piece of real estate, or you're watching the stock market go up and down its evaluations, everything has a value. When it comes to a person's skill set, talents, 
person's allowed to negotiate. You want me to speak? Here's how much I'm worth. You want me to sing in a concert? Here's my value. I'm a carpenter. I'm a craftsman. I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. Here's my value. Every human being has a value, but how do you evaluate what it is? You can't put a price tag on a person, on a human being, on a neshama, on a tzelem elokim. So what's the value? You know, in the person's shidduch resume, maybe it has your height, maybe your dress size, what yeshiva you learned in, whether you want a mitzuyanim, but I have yet to see a value that this person is worth X amount of money. I'm not suggesting that be introduced, although I can imagine others think it should. more like what's the father and mother's value in their bank account. The truth is when it comes to the value of a person, it's not by their looks, and it's not by their talent, and it's not by their portfolio. It's by their neshama, it's by their soul. Who is their neshama? What makes them tick? What is their spiritual contribution to the world? In what way are they at Selam Elokim? What is their mission? Every person needs to know they have a worth. The Saba of Slabadka, the altar of Slabadka, of Nasansi Finkel Zatzal, would say, A person cannot survive, a person cannot live without Kavod. Now, that doesn't mean they can't live without Kavod. Honor me at the dinner, give me Mafter Yona, I need to see my name in lights. Although there are those people who can't live without the Kavod, and that is a very, very bad character trait, a bad quality. What he means is that we know that there's a mental illness. We know that there's a danger of depression when a person says, I'm invisible. When a person says, I'm inconsequential, I'm worthless, no one cares about me, nobody honors me, nobody recognizes me. When a person has no self-confidence, when a person has no self-worth, then they are in danger. Says the altar of Slobodka. If you would take away the entire honor and dignity from a person, if they felt absolutely worthless, like they mean nothing and make no difference to the world, they would literally die. And the author of Slobodka was ahead of his time. I don't think it was being diagnosed then as a mental illness, the challenge of a lack of self-worth. A person who really has worth knows that what gives them their sense of worth is HaKadosh Baruch Hu and their ability to look in the mirror with pride that they are pursuing their mission, that they are doing their best. Their sense of worth is not drawn from others. It doesn't come from the honor that they're given, but rather that the honor that they live an honorable life. Honor is earned. A person has to live an honorable life. And how do you live the honorable life? By paying tribute and giving honor to others. And that's what Chazal tell us. The Mishnah in the fourth parak of Avos, Ezer Mechubad, we're going to read it to Shabbos. Who is, who is Mechubad? Who is honored? The person who is Mechubad Esabriyas. So somewhat paradoxically, how do you live that honorable life not by pursuing the honor of others? You are honorable when you honor others, not seek the honor of others. What the author of Slobodka says is we all need to be honored. By ourselves, we need the acknowledgement and the validation of Hashem. But if we have no worth, if we think we make no difference, if we have no meaning or purpose in our lives, we cannot live. We cannot live. And then he continues, and I'm only reading parts of it. It's really well worth reading. In Ali Shor Chelek Beis, Pes Reish Chafei, it's Perak Shemini, the title is covered. And he says the following, listen carefully. Kadosh, 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 Hashem Tzvakos, Melocho, La'aretz, Kvodo. 
It's a pasuk from Yeshaya. Obviously, it's the kedusha that we say, the kedusha we long to say together. Please, God, b'meir of Yamin, we'll be together to hear Dvaram Shemekdusha again soon. It's the kedusha that we say, kedusha the sidra in Uvalatzion. It's the kedusha that we have several times in our davening. Kadosh, kadosh, kadosh Hashem. We say Hashem is holy, holy, holy. Whatever that means, we have to define the word holiness. Melochol ha'aretz. He fills the whole world. Kivodo. What is the whole world filled with? I'm speaking fast because I always have so much I want to get into the parsha. Someone last week or two weeks ago texted me asking me if I was okay if I drank a, a five-hour energy, a Red Bull, right before the parsha class. I didn't. Natural. I just want to get so much across. So the Pasuk in Yeshaya says, how do we describe Hashem? Melochol ha'aretz. He fills the whole world. Kvodo. His honor. Kodesh Baruch Hu Kodosh. What does it mean that God is holy, says Revolba? He is transcendent. He's not limited or defined by the physical. There aren't boundaries or parameters in the physical. He is transcendent. He's spiritual. He's elevated. He is holy. He is above. So if God is invisible, so to say, if God is transcendent, if God is not bound by time, by space, if we can't capture Him in a picture, then how do you see him? You know where you find God? And look around the world. And this entire world is filled with God's kavod, with God's glory. When you identify and you see the expression of God in this world, you're seeing His holiness. He's everywhere. He's in the Grand Canyon, the Swiss Alps. He's throughout Eretz Yisrael and the Kedusha that's found there. You could see Hashem in the Chesed, the extraordinary acts of Chesed people are doing for one another. You could find Hashem, I said this last week in the Living with Amunashir. You know where you see Hashem? You know where you see Hashem? In the fact that He designed the human body that can recover from an illness and then become the chemical manufacturing plant that what biotechnology and pharmaceutical is still struggling to invent, the human body can donate plasma that can heal others with the same disease. Umafli la'asos, we conclude the bracha asher yatsar. Umafli la'asos, Hashem, what a wonder. The human body is the most sophisticated, it is the most advanced, the human body is the most brilliant and genius manufacturing plant there is. What medicine has yet to develop, the human body itself can do. We know those who've recovered from the illness are donating the plasma to heal others. Look around this world and you see Hashem. So Kadosh, 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 you know what holiness is? Holiness is when your kavod is being expressed. So whoever is involved, whoever is engaged, whoever dedicates their life to being marbe, what's the expression that we use? To be marbe kvod shamayim. I'll tell you something personal. I include in my own personal tefillos almost on a daily basis. As a rabbi, as a teacher, as an educator, I ask Hashem, Hashem, give me the right words. And Hashem, give me the right expressions and give me the right energy to successfully be marbek vod shamayim. That's what I ask. It's in my personal tefillos regularly. And we should all, Hashem, help me advance kvod shamayim. I want others to fall in love with you, to see you, to want to feel close to you, to appreciate your support, your love, your guidance, to feel your presence and the meaning that you give to our lives. I want everyone to be part of this team trying to advance your mission. This is why we're here to be marbek vod shamayim. We'll get to later in the Parsha, the Nekdashti B'Soch B'nei Yisrael, the mission of Kiddush Hashem, what Rav Yashif Zatzal said, is the mission statement of our generation. So it says Rav Kadosh, 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 Meloch Alaretz Kvodo. What does it mean? Hashem fills the whole world with His honor, and that is holiness. So those who are engaged and involved 
in the mission of filling the world with Kvod Shemayim, of telling everyone about God's greatness and His contributions and His wonder and feeling His love are themselves living lives of Kedusha, of holiness. And why am I telling you all this this morning? Why am I taking up so much time in our Parsha Perspectives class? Because says Ravolbe, we have an entire Parsha dedicated to this relationship between Kedusha's sanctity, holiness, and Kavod. Parsha's Emor. We begin with Kuhuna Gedola, the Kohen Gadol, and the honor. The Kohen Gadol is distinguished. He has to carry himself in a distinguished manner. And then we continue with the Kedusha of Korbanos. Kavod, and listen to this. Listen to what Revolba says now. The word Kavod. Not COVID. The antidote to COVID is COVID. Proper COVID. Treating one another with COVID. Being advancing the COVID of Hashem. Not pursuing and chasing our own COVID. COVID comes from the root of the word kaved. The root of the word COVID is kaved. What does the word kaved mean? If you're checking in an El Al, will be able to fly. And you know that moment of truth when you put your suitcase on the scale. And you're hoping not to have to reshuffle all your luggage. And believe me, Baruch Hashem, if you have a large family and travel with many suitcases and each one is right on the cusp, that is a moment of truth. And if you put your suitcase on and it weighs too much, they tell you it's kaved midai, it's too heavy. The word kaved means heavy. Says Revolba, the root of the word kavod is kaved. It's heavy, it's weighty, it's significant, it's meaningful. V'havchawam, what's the opposite of the word kavod? Hakitsoni hu klala. A klala, a curse. You know what the root of the word klala is? Kal, light. When do you curse something? When you treat it lightly. When you take away its significance. When you rob it of any meaning. When you're willing to curse something, you're treating it as kal. You are exhibiting that you're kal. You're a lightweight. You don't see your own meaning, your own purpose, your own worth, your own dignity, your own value. So kavod, to treat and to honor things with kavod, is to see them as kaved. They're weighty, they're heavy, they're significant. Klala, to curse, whether with words or in our actions, it's because you treat it as kal. It is being treated lightly, and you're treating yourself lightly. When I take, when I, when I have an attitude and I relate to somebody in a weighty way, I think about it, I'm thoughtful, I care, I'm honoring them. In Mikilimbo, but if I take them lightly and I take our relationship lightly, if I'm too casual with it, Mikalimoso, as a result, I'm cursing them. When a person wants honor, then it's hard for them to honor others. Why? Because if I'm honoring you, then I live life that I'm the center of the universe. And if I'm allocating a portion of honor in the universe to you, there's less for me. So the person who seeks honor struggles to honor others. But the person who seeks no honor for themselves has no problem living a life trying to honor, being farginning, being happy with the joy, the success, the triumph, the blessings of another person. And so, dear friends, that says Ravoba is what Parshas Emor is all about. Parshas Emor is a curriculum in Kavod, not the pursuit of our own Kavod, but how to be Marbek Vod Shamayim, Marbek Vod Achirim. And how are you Marbek Kavod? How do you give greater weight and heaviness and significance? The Parsha is this curriculum. 
Kohanim, Kohen Gadol, Kohanim, Klai Hashem, Korbanos, we how to treat things as kaved, as weighty and heavy and significant in time, in space, in food, in service, in relationships, ourselves, Hashem, those around us, says Revolbe. It's what the entire Parsha is about. It's such a beautiful explanation. So the Ibn Ezra says, Amor Amarta. Last week we learned about Kedoshim to you, and this week we continue with the Kohanim. But Revolbe says, no, we've not left Klai Yisrael, B'nai Yisrael. We are continuing with this mandate of Kedoshim to you. How do we achieve Kedoshim to you? This is the curriculum. This is the action plan. You know how you achieve Kedusha? by a life of giving kavod, of treating kaved, the significant weighty things around us. And we see this every day in our lives. There are people who take the holiest things there are, davening, learning Torah, spirituality, chesed, family, our neshama, our tzelem elokim, and we treat all that lightly and casually, insignificantly, and we talk about it without the the, the awe and reverence it deserves. And then you talk to them about Sports scores, the stock market, the Netflix series they're seeing. Ooh, kaved, kavod, the weightiness, the analysis, the significance. Have it backwards. It's upside down. What you do for recreation is to help you recreate. It's to help you re-energize. It's kal. It's light. Enjoy, but it's light. Don't put too much attention. What deserves the kavod, what reflects who we are and what we care about our priorities, is what we treat with the most kavod. Do we treat a Kaddish Baruch with kavod? Are we careful? Even in this pandemic times where we're davening by ourselves, do I daven, do I put on something proper? If I'm wearing shorts, do I put on pants? If I'm wearing slippers, do I put on shoes? If I normally daven with a jacket, do I put on my jacket? Am I presenting myself properly because I'm about to engage a conversation with Hashem? It's kaved, it's heavy, it's weighty, it's significant, it's meaningful. It's not casual, it's not lightweight, it's not kal. Then it's a klala, I treat it like a curse. If I treat it as kaved, as heavy, then I'm showing the proper kavod. And kavod, my friends, I think is an antidote, is a response we can be having in this time of COVID. Okay, let's keep going. Emor v'amarta. We're going to get past the first pasuk. I promise. I don't know how much fast, but we're going to get past. So Moshe says, Emor ala koanim v'amarta. Famous Rashi. Emor v'amarta laharsir gedolim ala ketanim. This is to instruct the gedolim ala ketanim. To instruct the adults about the children. Now the simple understanding of Rashi. Rashi is quoting Chazal, Yavamos. The simple understanding is that even though normally someone who's not yet at the age of being responsible or accountable is not yet mechuyav in mitzvos, so here the Torah is instructing a Kohen that you need to know, teach your son. Not only can you, the Kohen, not go in the hospital if there's a corpse, not only you, the Kohen, can't go to the cemetery, but your child, your minor son, the Kohen, can't go either. Can't go either. What about a female Kohen, a Bas Kohen, an Aishas Kohen? Can they go in a cemetery? Can they go to the hospital? So Chazal say, no, they can. Why? Because the Pasuk says, Emor ala Kohanim, B'nei Aaron, velo Benos Aaron. The sons of Aaron, not the daughters of Aaron. A Bas Kohen and Aishas Kohen can go to a funeral. They can go to the hospital. Ah, uh, let me throw you a curveball. What about a pregnant Aishas Kohen? Ooh, wah. She doesn't know what she's having. Is Lahazer Gedola Malaktanim, does that include a fetus, an embryo? Can the in utero male Kohen go to a cemetery, go in the hospital? So this is actually a discussion in the halachic literature. What if a pregnant Aishas Kohen has a sonogram? Is that enough to determine the gender of the baby? If she knows she's carrying a little girl, can she rely on that that she can go into a hospital? 
If she sees it's a little boy, can she not? Does this whole thing even apply to the fetus to begin with? Believe it or not, a fascinating discussion in the area of halacha, in halachic literature. So Rashi says, and the Ramban expands on this Rashi. We don't have time already to read the Ramban inside, but the Ramban expands on this Rashi to say, this is not only true in the area of a Kohen and uh, contamination, it's true in all areas. A person shouldn't feed their minor child non-kosher food. A person can't ask their minor child to turn the light switch or adjust the air conditioning on Shabbos. That lahaza gedola malakatanim, we are obligated to teach our children and to hold them accountable to educate them on the way. However, there are so many other deeper messages embedded within this one sentence of Chazal, lahaza gedola malakatanim. Let me share just a few of them with you. The Heligenom Elimelech, Rav Elimelech of Lezhinsk. Those who came with us to Poland a few summers ago, we went to his uh, holy kever, and we had a tish in the base medrash of the Heliger Beli Melech of Lezhinsk. So Norm Elimelech says, Lahaza Gedolam is teaching us the following very, very important principle, that if you want to uh, give musr, if someone's a cotton in a certain area, says the Norm Elimelech, it doesn't mean they're a cotton chronologically in age, they're a cotton in behavior, they're acting like a minor, they're, they're, they're under achieving in who they could be in a certain area of life. And you're trying to give musr, you're trying to encourage, you're trying to instruct. So lahazer gedolam ala If you direct your musr at the person acting like the katan, they're likely to reject it. They're likely to push it away. But if lahazer gedolam, but if you turn not to the person who's failing, you turn to the one succeeding, and you give a general, not the small specific musr, than the individual. So if you have children, or if you're talking about a family, or you're talking to somebody who you need to give some pushback to, if you direct it personally to them, they're likely to put up a defense mechanism, a shield, and to reject it. But if you say we all need to work on it, and even the best and the greatest among us need to work on it, they'll be more predisposed, they'll be more open. And that's why it says the Nomali Melech, we go from the Lashon Yachet to Lashon Rabbim, Emor ve'amarta alehem, Emor, and more in the singular to the Kohanim, but v'amarta alehem in the plural. Why? Because if you're giving Musr, don't single somebody out. If you single someone out, they won't accept or embrace it. But instead, if you say it, if you deliver it, not in the singular, but if you deliver it in the plural, in a larger way, they will be more predisposed. They will be more likely to listen to it. That is the Heliga Noam Elimelech. The Chose of Lublin has another pshat. Sorry, he says in the next pasuk. We'll come to the Chose of Lublin in a moment. Coming back, the Imre um, Chaim. You know, I was going to give you an Imre Chaim. The Heliga Vision of Rebbe. The Imre Chaim says the following: Emor v'Amarta. Oh, I love this pshat. Lahazer gedolam alakatanim al gedolam lahair esakatanim bezohar oram. Lahazir can mean to warn or to caution. Lahazir from the Zohar can mean to illuminate brightness, to shine. Says the Imre Chaim, this is a mandate to us, the Gedolim. If you want to teach your children, you want to inspire them, it can't just be with words. Lahazir Gedolim alakatanim. Lahazir, through your personal conduct, through your personal actions, through your personal behavior, be a role model. Lahazir, shine and illuminate alakatanim onto the minor. Isn't that great? Lahazir, let your modeling, let your passion and enthusiasm, let your example shine onto the children. Who was the great, I don't remember the great author who said once, I can't hear what you're saying because your actions are speaking so much louder than your words. 
We as parents sometimes struggle. We speak, but our actions don't match. You know what the answer to Chinuch is? Don't just speak. But we teach our children, when we have the privilege of leaving our homes, we teach our children how we conduct ourselves when we go to business, when we go to the store, when we go to the gym, when we go to the park, when we go to life. These days, we still have in Palm Beach County a stay-home order. And we are being asked to teach our children and to create an environment within our family. When we have to and we're forced, when we're ordered to remain in our homes. means that the way that the children are going to learn from us is We illuminate, we light up, we shine onto them based on the example that we're living with. That's how the Imre Chaim understands Rashid is Gemara in Yevamos. The Medrash has a different understanding. The Medrash says the following. The Medrash says, It's a Medrash Rabbah, Parsha Chavav. The Medrash Rabbah says the following. Says the Medrash that Kodesh Baruch Hu showed Moshe. He gave Moshe a little bit of an insight. Dor, dor, v'shoftav. This is the generation and their leaders. Dor, dor, aman, higav. The generation and their leaders. Ask Rav Simcha Peshischa, shouldn't it say, manhig v'doro? Shofet v'doro? First mention the leader, and then mention the generation. Why does it say, dor, dor, the generation? And here's the leader. Moshe got an insight. In 2020, Here's who are going to be the Gedola Yisrael. Lahavdil, here are going to be the leaders of the secular world, of industry. Here are going to be the leaders of, of different disciplines. Door, door, the generation and their leader. Shouldn't it be the leader and then the generation? And listen to what Rav Simcha Bunim says. He says, if HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed Moshe in the order, first the leader, then the generation, when it got to the leader, Moshe would look and say, that, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? That's the president, that's the prime minister, that's the Rav, that's the principal, the head of... Are you kidding me? That's who it is? So it says, Simcha That's why Hashem showed Moshe, Dor, let me show you the generation. And when you see the generation, then you'll understand the leader that they got is the leader that they deserve. Simcha this is a theme, not for now, and please don't apply to anything contemporary. This is a political comment. However, we have a principle in Judaism that a generation gets the leader they deserve. Yiftach bedoro, kishmul bedoro, dor dor manhigav, dor dor v'shoftav. The generation gets the leader they deserve. If we're dissatisfied with our leadership, if we are terribly disappointed in the options of leadership, then we should look in the mirror and see who we deserve, how we are living, what is the culture and atmosphere, and what have we cultivated in the leadership that has arisen or the options of leadership we have. So says Rav Simcha Buruma Peshischa, who certainly was not commenting on anything in the United States of America in 2020, or in Israel for that matter in 2020, but Dor Doru Manhigav, Dor Dor Veshoftav, first is the generation, then the leader, so Moshe would not be surprised when he would see those future generations, he would then understand the leadership, they got the leadership that they deserved. Okay, continuing on. Torah says, I'm sorry, still in this opening Pasuk. What was the message they are to get? The Kohen Gadol, the Kohanim, are not allowed to contaminate. They can't become impure from Tumah, from anyone in their nation, anyone in their people. Says the Chose of Lublin. The Heliga Chose of Lublin says the following. Listen to this insight. Tell the Kohanim that what? B'nai Aaron. 
Emoral Akon and Bnei Aaron says the Chazav of Lublin. Bnei Aaron is not identifying who they are. Speak to the Kohanim. Who are the Kohanim? Bnei Aaron. We know they're Bnei Aaron. What does it mean then? Says the Chazav. Emoral Akonim. Tell the Kohanim what? Bnei Aaron. You're the children of Aaron. And what does it mean to be the progeny of Aaron? What do we know about Aaron? The Mishnah Novos tells us. How is Aaron characterized? He is Oev Shalom Verodev Shalom. Aaron is the quintessential paradigmatic teacher of peace, harmony. Oev Shalom Verodev Shalom. Oev is Abrios and Torah. This is Aaron's mission statement. This is who he is. And this is who you're meant to be. And moral and tell the Kohanim, B'nai Aaron. You are meant to continue in the tradition. You're meant to continue in the mission of Aaron. So what's going to happen then? The Kohen's going to say, Kiruv. I have to love people and bring them close to Torah. Aaron is the initiator. Aaron is the first father of Kiruv. So what's the Aaron going to do? He's going to say, you know, I'm going to go to the bar and I'm going to hang out in very seedy places and I'm going to go be the shame Kiruv. I'm going to lower myself, contaminate myself, compromise myself for Kiruv. So the Kohanim need the second message. Lenefesh lo while you are dedicated to the pursuit of Kirov, but Lenefesh, when it comes to your own Neshama, Lo Yitama. Be careful not to compromise yourself. This is a challenge in the world of Kirov. This is the mission of those who are involved and engaged in Kirov. How can you lift others without lowering yourself? How can you inspire without becoming compromised? So, Emor Lakoanim, remind the Kohanim, Bnei Aaron, Mekarvan Torah, that's your mission, it's who you're meant to be. But lenefesh, when it comes to your nefesh, your neshama, lo yitama. Al tishaber Russia. Don't attach yourself to people whose values are different than yours. If you remember going all the way back to Sefer Bracious, we once shared the beautiful insight based on the Medrash Pirkei Derbe Yezer, which we won't entirely repeat right now. But when Avram Avinu asks Sarah, can you go check on Yishmal, even when he throws Yishmal out of the house, Sarah says, on one condition, you can go check on Yishmal and maintain that relationship, but you can't get off the camel. Avram travels several times, a beautiful medrash that describes how Avram walked that tightrope of that balance and maintained that relationship so that Yishmael knew he was loved. When Avram dies, Yishmael shows up, the Torah tells us, to eulogize and to mourn Avram together with his half-brother, with Yitzchak. Why? Because Avram communicated his love for Yishmael always. But Avram did it in a very interesting way. He continued to visit Yishmael, but he never got off the camel. And some understand it to mean he didn't lower himself. He went... However, he continued to interact with Yitzchak, uh, with Yishmael rather, but from a little bit of a distance, with boundaries, with barriers, protecting himself with the siag. He didn't get down off the camel. And that's the mission. I shouldn't retreat, I shouldn't isolate. I have to be part of B'nai Aaron, Mekarvan the Torah, but I have to do it in a way that nefesh lo yitama, to be careful not to compromise our entire sense of selves. Okay, let's fast forward. You ready? Perech now, Pasuk Yud. Fast forward. So first this instruction to the Kohanim. And then we move forward to the Kohen. This is the law of the Kohen Gadol. The law of the Kohen Gadol. The law of the Kohen Gadol is described as It's a very funny language. The Kohen who's greater than his brothers. A little bit superiority. A little bit. I don't love that language. So says the Imre Chaim. You know what it means? Hakoin Hagadol Me'echav. Hakoin Huamani Katsadik. The Kohen Gadol is the leader, the example. 
How is he, how did he rise to the position of such distinction, of prominence? Hakoin atzmo misgadel ayyidei echav shemiskabtzim elav. Hakoin hagadol. How did he become gadol? Me'echav. By caring about his brothers, by connecting with the people. You don't become great in Judaism by being superior, holier than thou, by being above others, by sitting in a position of judgment of others. You know how you become Hagadol, Hakoin Hagadol, you know how you become great? Me'echav. When you continue to and always define yourself as Echav, that you are part of your brothers, that you care about your brothers. That you are remain me'echav. That you remain not different than, but part of me'echav. Hakoin hagadol. How are you gadol? What is the source of being hagadol? Is me'echav because you are from your brothers. Torah says v'kidashto. We have a mitzvah and a mandate that we have a halachic obligation to honor the kohanim, and this comes out in several halachic forms. V'kidashto. We have to honor the kohanim. We treat the kohanim with greater sanctity. Why? Because the Kohanim, the Jewish people, we are the Kohanim of the world, right? We are a, a nation of Kohanim. Mamlachas Kohanim v'goy kadosh. So Mamlachas Kohanim. What does that mean? The commentators explain. Just like the priests within any people, not just the Jewish people, the priests within any people are charged with a higher level of living and to be a model and example and teachers of others. That's what the Jewish people are meant to be among the nations of the world, among humanity. Just like that responsibility comes with privileges of the Jewish people vis-a-vis the nations of the world, so to the Kohanim within our people, it comes with certain privileges. V'kidashto. We have to honor the Kohanim because of the lives that they are living. The Ibn Ezra says it means the way that you think about Kohanim, the way you speak to Kohanim. The Magan Avram says, is this a Dindar Isa or a Dindar Abanam? Biblical or Rabbinic? The Magan Avram says it is Rabbinic, but it is an allusion. It's hinted to in this word, Vikidashto. We have a responsibility to sanctify through the way we treat. This is codified in Shulchan Arach. Shulchan Arach says, if you're a Kohen who's listening right now, don't let this go to your head. But the Shulchan Arach says that if you have a Kohen who's a scholar, then the Kohen goes first. Means for the first Aliyah. That's why we give Kohenim the first Aliyah. We give Kohenim the right to lead benching. The Kohanim can say Kiddush for everybody. It's how we honor the Kohen, not only in ritual ceremonies, but even within casual things. You're serving the soup, the Kohen goes first. You're holding the door open, the Kohen walks through first. We always give the honor to the Kohen. They give precedence and preference because of their elevated status, their role within our people, and their greater obligation of responsibility, their greatest responsibility to maintain a lifestyle of of holiness. The Ramah on Shulchan Aruch expands and says Vikidashto means not only do we show greater honor, but it also means we don't take a favor. So if you're asking somebody to get you a napkin or bring you a cup of water, if there's a Yisrael, you ask the Yisrael, not the Kohen. We don't ask the Kohen to do things for us. You can't be Mishamish B'Kohenim. You don't ask the Kohen to do things to do things for you. Kohen can be Mochel, Ravavad Yosef is a tshuva, that the Kohen can be Mochel and bring you the, and bring you the napkin. Or bring you the glass of water. Magan Avram wonders, why are we not careful about this today? We still give the coin the first aliyah, the coin the benching, but we're not as careful as we should be in Vikidashto. Why aren't we today? And he suggests maybe because Kohanim are not miyuchasim. We don't know that the Kohanim today can trace their lineage back with such confidence as they once did. And therefore, Malamed Tzchus, one of the... Uh, one of the considerations of why maybe we're not as strict with this as we should be today is that we're not as sure, as confident in their yichus as we could be, which has significance because when it comes to a pidyon aben, when it comes to a pidyon aben, is he really a kohen? So, for example, some are strict. My grandson, 
who had a pidgin I've been earlier this year. The Cohen's name was Rappaport. And Rappaport's the Shach, Reb Shabsai Cohen Rappaport. The name Rappaport, those who descend from the carry the name Rappaport, have a greater likelihood of being Kohanim Miyuchasim, can trace their lineage back. So some are careful specifically for Pidjon Haben. By the way, as an aside, Rabbi Soloveitchik felt strongly, and this appears in the uh, OU Rav Chumash, Rabbi Soloveitchik felt strongly. The Kidashto means that the Kohen has an elevated status. If there's no Kohen, you don't give the Aliyah to a Levi. If there's no Kohen, you specifically don't give the Levi in his stead. You go right to Yisraelim Bimkom Kohen because you don't want to give the mis- misimpression that the Levi is on the same status or carries that level of obligation or the level of kavod as the Kohen. The Levi is different than the Kohen. Okay, Perach of Beis, Pasuk Lamed Beis. We're continuing and moving right ahead. We talked about the blemishes, Mum, that would, uh, a Mum, within the Kohen, that would disqualify the Kohen from performing the Avoda, from giving us the bracha in Duchening, if it's a distraction, and so on. We have the obligation, Perach uh, of of safeguarding the, uh, the uh, Karbanos and the Truma, the sanctified and sacred uh, things. Skip the Perach of Beis, Pasuk Lamed Beis, bottom of page 680 in the Art Scroll, Stone Chumash. And here the Torah tells us a phrase that we are familiar with. Why are we familiar with it? Because when you were a kid and you went on a class trip, your teacher gave you a little pep talk before you went and said, do not stick your head out the bus window. Don't throw spitballs. We're on a class trip. And what do we have to be careful that we have to make? We have to make a Kiddush Hashem. And what do we have to safeguard and protect ourselves from chas v'shalom violating? Do not make a chilal Hashem. But my dear friends, it's a terrible mistake and misnomer. Chilal Hashem and Kiddush Hashem are not primarily within the nations of the world. Where are they first made? Says the Torah, Velosachalalu Perakhav Beis Pasukalamadez. Velosachalalu Hashem Kodshi, Vinikdashti Besoch Bene Yisrael, Ani Hashem Mekadashchem. Do not desecrate my name, rather sanctify my name. Where? Besoch Bene Yisrael. And this is our biggest challenge. This is our hardest effort. We talked about Kirov, Aaron, Umekarvan La Torah. The overwhelming majority of the Jewish people today are unaffiliated. The majority of the Jewish people today are not observant. And one of the biggest obstacles driving them away from a life of Torah, from fulfilling our mission and mandate of being Marbe Kvod Shamayim, Revolba talked about Kavod, is when they see Jews, Torah Jews, not living Torah lives. And we've seen it. Those who are not properly obeying the rules of this pandemic and are endangering others. The Chil Hashem that it's creating, the headlines, it is so painful. There's an ache in our stomach. It's a Chil Hashem. Where? Besoch B'nai Yisrael. So yeah, the nations of the world we care about. But you know where we care about first? Besoch B'nai Yisrael. Don't worry about sticking your head out the window on the bus for the non-Jewish nations of the world on the class trip. Worry about the secular teacher in the yeshiva who sees the way that you're behaving in the classroom. Worry about the, the impression we're leaving on fellow Jews. Besoch b'nei Yisrael. That's where the first, the first address of Chil Hashem or Kiddush Hashem. Rabbeinu Bachia says, V'lo sechalu Hashem kachi v'nikdashti. The Pasuk presents it as these two options. That word Chilol Hashem, the word Chalal, Chilol, means a hole, a vacuum. Something is missing. What is a Chil Hashem? So we just said, this beautifully comes full circle to how we began. We began, Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh Hashem, Melochol 
Kavodo. Kavodo. Hashem's glory, Hashem's honor, the weightiness, the significance of Hashem, it fills the whole universe. Everywhere you look and everywhere you turn, in the beauty and gift of technology, in medicine, in advancement, in spirituality, in holiness, in chesed, Hashem is everywhere in nature. Everywhere you look, malochal arts, kvodo, Hashem is everywhere. You know what a chil Hashem is? When you actually drive Hashem out of somewhere. You've made a chilol a chalal, a vacuum, a gaping hole. You've made an opening where Hashem can't be found. When you cheat in business, when you don't obey the guidelines and you think you're above the law, the rules, when you are discourteous to someone else, when you make a chil Hashem, you've driven God out of a certain space. You've got driven God out of a certain time. You've created a chil Hashem, a hole, a gaping chasm, a hole, a vacuum where Hashem cannot be found. Our mission is to be malochalar kvodo. That's how we become kadosh. When you create a chil Hashem, you've driven Hashem out of that place. Says Rabbeinu Bachia, what's the antidote? What's the response? What's the repair? There's only one answer. The only one answer of Nikdashti is now your response is you have to make a Kiddush Hashem. The only answer to Achil Hashem is a Kiddush Hashem to obey the guidelines, to do kind things, to honor those in the front lines risking their lives, to be have integrity and honest in business, to be courteous in our personal conduct, to be dignified in the way we treat others. The only answer to Achil Hashem is Kiddush Hashem. In fact, others suggest that there is no third option. You might say, well, I don't want to make a Chil Hashem, but I'm also not so committed to a Kiddush Hashem. I want to just be. Can't I just live my life? Isn't there a third option? Milchliks, Fleshiks, and Parav. There is no Parav when it comes to our personal conduct and our lifestyles. Some understand from here, what you're doing is either a Kiddush Hashem or a Chil Hashem. The way you speak, the way you carry yourself, the life you live, how you conduct yourself at work, in the gym, at the supermarket, at home, with Jews, non-Jews, observant Jews, non-observant Jews. The way we're living is either a Kiddush Hashem or a Chil Hashem. If it doesn't fit into Kiddush Hashem, by definition, it is a Chil Hashem. It's the two choices that we have, and one is the antidote, is the response to the other. Rav Nissen Alpert Zatzal, the great Talmud of Rav Moshe Feinstein at Rosh Hashiva, Yeshiva University, in his Limude Nissen, the beautiful Sefer on Chumash, he says, notice the grammatical form of the word Vinegdashti. Vinegdashti besoch b'nei Yisrael. Vinegdashti, says Rav Nissen uh, Alpert, is nifal. What is nifal? The language, the Lashon of nifal means that Kiddush Hashem doesn't only mean dying al Kiddush Hashem. It's not the great moment of dying al Kiddush Hashem. There's an article in the journal Klal Perspectives several years ago that a teacher quoted a student who said, that student said, you know, I feel invisible and inconsequential, I don't matter. I wish I lived in the generation of the Holocaust. If I could have died, I'll kill Kiddush Hashem, I could have been a hero. And the teacher was bemoaning that the impression our children may have is that Kiddush Hashem means I have to be willing to die, I'll Kiddush Hashem. You know, sometimes even harder than dying, I'll Kiddush Hashem, is to live al Kiddush Hashem, to dedicate our lives, not just to, to be a mes mitzvah, but a chai mitzvah, not to die al Kiddush Hashem, but to live al Kiddush Hashem. How do you live al Kiddush Hashem? Not in the monumental, grandiose moments, says Rav Nissen Alpert, nikdashti nifal, the small, seemingly insignificant, did you hold the door? Did you say please? Did you say thank you? Were you courteous? How do you treat others? Do you have integrity and honesty? And the small, seemingly insignificant ways, nifal, nikdashti, is the difference that we make. It's the impact that we have on the world. Rabbi Yashiv says, 
that this is the challenge. Every generation has their challenge. Every generation had their challenge of mysterious nefesh. And this is our generation's challenge, is to live lives of Kiddush Hashem, to be Marbek Fod Shamayim. It's the theme of our Parsha, and it's our mission in life. Rameshalib Sasavar, the great Sasavar, says something interesting. You know, what do we learn from here? And this is very relevant to what we're going through right now. He says, the Gemara Baruchas Davchaf Aleph says the following. How do you know that if you're alone, you can't say Kedusha? We crave it. You know how long it's been since I answered a Kedusha? How long it's been since you answered a Kaddish, a Borchu, Dvarim Shebekdusha? It's, it's like going eight weeks without eating. It's like eight weeks without drinking. We all spiritually malnourished by the inability to answer. So why can't we just answer all alone, Vinikdashti, over Zoom? Why can't we answer? So the Gemara learns, you know where you learn it from? Shenemar, Vinikdashti Besor B'nai Yisrael. Because a davar b'shabekdusha can't be less than ten people. V'negdashti, and there it says in Parsha Shlach, v'hibadlu mitocha edazos malahalan asara afkan asara. So we learn from here that just like over there with the meraglim, subtract the two good ones, you had ten. So to over here, v'negdashti b'soch bnei Yisrael dvarim shabekdusha kadosh kedusha baruchu. You can only say within a minion. Says Rav Moshe Sasaver, the Heliga Sasaver. It's an amazing thing. You see the power of Klal Yisrael. There could be nine Rashi Yeshiva, nine Tzadikim, nine Geonim, nine of the greatest Lamedvav Tzadikim convention. Only nine of the 36 could get together. Nine can be together, they still can't say a Davosh Dusha. And then you could have ten Pasha de Yidin, ten illiterate Jews who can't even make a laning on a Gemara, ten Pasha de simple, illiterate, ignorant Jews. And you know what? They can say the Dvarim Shebek Dusha. You see, says the Heliga Sasavar, that the power is in a minion. The power is in a tzibur. The power is in community. You could have a community of ignoramuses, but the power of community enables them to do things that even nine great people can't do. The power is in community, and that is why we are so desperate. It is why we so desperately crave being able to come back together as community. Okay, a few more, a couple more quick thoughts. Parshas Emor, packed, solid, so much to talk about. Lechem Aponim and the Mikalel. I don't even know if we're going to get to, we probably won't get to all of this. But good news, you're invited back. Parshas Emor 2021, Tavshin Aleph. There's so much more to talk about in Parshas Emor. There's a beautiful insider of Yosef Salant, the Be'er Yosef, a beautiful sefer, the Be'er Yosef, and he has the following. Again, we don't have time. This is one of his longer essays, pages and pages long. He sets it up with a series of questions. But in our Parsha, and we are in this time, that we are counting Svira Sa'omer. We're counting the Omer. That same word Omer, we find being used in four separate contexts. In four separate contexts, that same word Omer. I'll tell you what they are quickly. We have that same word Omer. We talk about the Omer as a count. We're counting the Omer. The Omer is a period of time. The Omer is a Karban, brought on the second day of Pesach. And the Omer is a flower offering. It is the measure of a flower offering. So the word Omer is used in four separate contexts. And the truth is the word Omer means almost none of the above. What does the word Omer mean? Where does it come from? It is a measure equivalent of an Isar on a tenth of an Eifa, 43.2 eggs, about 95 ounces. So many mitzvahs revolve around the Omer. We bring the Minchas Omer, a Korban Omer, Sviras Omer, the time period of the Omer, Eifa, we have all this going around, this word Omer, in so many different contexts, meaning so many different things. So the Be'er Yosef says, what do they all have to do with each other? 
And if Omer means a measure, why are we naming a carbon and a count and a time period over a measure? It's like naming a time period, or it's like engaging in a count, or it's like dedicating a sacrifice after the word court, liter, pound, ounce. We're calling it an Omer. Omer really is a, ultimately, it is a measure. Where does he come from? And listen to what he says. Lafia Mavur, this is at the end of pages and pages, really worthwhile, well worth studying this drush inside. You know what the Ber Yosef says? Unbelievable. He says the first time the word Omer appears in the Torah, this measure appears in the Torah, is when? The falling of the Mun. When the Mun, the heavenly bread, fell in the Midbar. And what the Omer is teaching us in every context that we engage and encounter that word Omer again, it is a trigger. It's a hint. It is trying to remind us and take us back to the falling of the Mun. So an Omer was the amount of Mun that we received in the Midbar. When we count the Omer, we're supposed to remember that Hashem provides. He gives the Parnasa. He takes care of us. He nourishes us. We get the measure we need, the measure we deserve. It's the root of the theme of the Karban, of the count, of the time period. Every aspect of anything named Omer is to take us back to the falling of the Mun and to remember that everything we have and everything we need comes from Hashem. To take us and transport us back to those years in the desert where Hashem took care of us and gave us everything we needed and our entire lives were dedicated to learning, to studying, to connecting, to living, to feeling His presence. That's what Omer is about. It's what the count of the Omer is about. It's what the time of the Omer is about. We should say Asviras Yemei HaOmer. Why do we say Baruch Hashem? Shalom Zavet Zivanu Al Sviras HaOmer. Should be Asviras Yemei HaOmer. Says Rav Yosef Salanta Ber Yosef because we are remembering the Omer, this measure of the man that fell. No matter how much of the heavenly bread someone tried to scoop up, you tried to take more, you tried to take less, you always got an Omer. An Omer is what Hashem determined we needed, and an Omer is what He generously and miraculously provided. And these days, we're not just counting the Omer, we're counting the Omer and realizing that we have like the Mun, what we have comes from above, it comes from Hashem. And what we have is the Omer, it is the measure of what we need. Many wish they had more, and life would be easier if they had more. And while very few, nobody wishes they had less, some people's lives would actually be better and less complicated if they had less. But in these 49 days, what we're working on, when we're counting the Omer, we're not counting the days of Omer, we're counting the Omer, the Mun in our lives. We're counting the exact measure of what we need. And in fact, this is what we're going to celebrate next week. I'll give you a little preview. Maybe we'll end with this, a preview of Lag Omer next week. The Chassam Sofer, Moshe Sofer says that the miraculous Mun, we celebrate Lag Omer, the 33rd day of the Omer, is when the miraculous Mun began to fall from heaven. The 33rd day of the Omer corresponds on the Hebrew calendar with when the Mun began to fall. And what is the Kabbalistic uh, uh, formula for that day? Lag Omer is Hod Shebahod, which means gratitude of gratitude, thankfulness within thankfulness. It is a day dedicated, the theme of Lag Omer is not only of Shimon Bar Yechai and the Yeretzite of the Ramah, but Lag Omer is Hod Shebahod, gratitude within gratitude, when the Mun fell. This whole time period is not only Yemei Omer. 
but Haomer. It's a time in which we are grateful. Okay, I wanted to talk about the Lacham Apanam, the miracle, the fact that it never got stale. I wanted to talk about the the Mikala, the one at the end of our parsha, who curses Hashem and he's killed as a result, the consequence. But we'll have to admit Hashem incorporate those two themes next year. Wishing everyone a great day, a happy, a healthy, and a holy day.